And welcome back, guys, to another episode of Galley Stories, uh, stories of the Bering Sea and beyond. I am your host, Mark Kaler, and today I have Angel Acosta with me. He is the one of the deckhands on the FV Sovereignty. How you doing today, Angel? I'm doing great, man. Enjoying your company here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I want to I want to first start out about childhood. You know, uh, well, childhood. Well, uh, my parents came from Mexico. To the United States, and I was the first born here. So, I was born in Los Angeles, California, and we moved to Stockton, California, which is farmland. And I was about four years old when we moved there. I remember starting kindergarten there, and um, my dad's always been a farmer. So, to this day, he farms the lands there in Stockton, California, which they say are the best soil. It's the best soil in, in the world. Except Nebraska, but yeah, go on. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, and um, you know, we didn't grow up with much money. We, you know, we had what we needed, but we didn't have any extras. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So, how many of you? I mean, so I'm the second born. Um, I have a brother, Jose. I'm Angel. I'm Junior. And then I have a brother named Gus and a sister named Alma and Chantel. She's 22, the youngest. And, um, yeah, it was it was pretty rough growing up, you know, in Stockton, California. I don't know if you've heard of Stockton, California sure, before, but sure. it's pretty rough there. Any sports or anything when you are growing up? Uh, I played baseball. What were your interests when you were young? Well, there was no interest. I mean, we played baseball growing up. As kids, all the neighborhood kids would, would play baseball there. And, um... It was, you know, our parents were too busy to go out and hang out with us and mm-hmm. be supportive. But we went out and played baseball, the Mexican kids and the African-American kids, and we enjoyed it. You know, their parents were just like our parents. We didn't have much money. Yeah. You know, they weren't supportive and so on and so forth. So n- none of that has water involved in it, but somehow you ended up making it to water. So how did, that, how did your story progress after... So what happened was I was like 23 years old and I was working at a Safeway. I was cleaning floors at nighttime. And this particular night, they'd always send me some different guy to clean these floors. Sometimes he would last two or three days, four days. And this one night, this guy came and he was from El Salvador, Nicolas Diaz. I remember his name. He came and all night long as we cleaned these floors at this Safeway talked about Alaska all night long all night long how great it was how great it was how much money he made he said he worked three months and came back with 14,000 bucks and this and that and I couldn't save 3,000 bucks at the time you know I had what maybe 500 bucks 600 bucks at the most to my name Mm -hmm. you know and I've been working here for over a year and um you know, it kind of caught my interest a little bit, but yet I wasn't interested. But anyways, at the end of the night, he gave me the number to Trident Seafoods. Then I put it in my pocket. Didn't think much of it. I got home that morning and put it in my junk drawer. And about a month later, they announced they were closing the store. That you were working at? That I was working at. So I had to look for a new job. Did Did Nicholas, did he show up that next day? Or no, I never seen him again. I remember his name. I, nem- I remember his name. I remember his name. Okay. 
I don't know why, but I remember his name. Probably a pivotal moment. You uh-huh. didn't realize it was there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I started looking for jobs, and I remembered the number. So I pulled out of my junk drawer, pulled it out, called, and there was a little office in my hometown, Stockton, California. And I called them and said, they said, come in and fill out an application. So I did. I filled out an application, didn't hear nothing of them for about a month, and said they were having interviews. So I went down to the interview, did a drug test, didn't hear from them for another month. Finally, I got a letter from Trident Seafoods. Said, you need to show up, so-and-so. It was like after Christmas sometime, 1998. Need to show up and build your contract because you're going on the boat. Mm-hmm. Right? I didn't know nothing about Alaska. Nothing mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. You know, Couldn't I really never heard any stories about Alaska f- except for this guy telling me what he made, right? That was it. No, that was no, it. No Google back then, or was no there? Google. Yeah, no, there was a little bit of internet going on, but not what it is now. Mm-hmm. You know, you can just Google it or Siri it or whatever. So, I get this letter saying you need to show up at the Shaw Show office at 8 o'clock in the morning, sign your contract, because you're going to be going to boat, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so, I showed my dad and I told him, you know, he, he doesn't speak much English, so I t- talked to him in Spanish and told him about it. And um, he said, well, son, well, you need to go. I mean, I come from further mm-hmm. without speaking the language, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. I've done okay in this country. You need to go and figure it out. If you don't like it, <clears throat> you could always come back. Right. Okay. You know, so I did. That's, I, that's probably I, sound advice too, right? Yeah. I mean, so I went and bought a ticket for Greyhound. Yeah, I didn't have enough money to go get an airplane ticket, so I got a Greyhound ticket, mm-hmm. and it took like forever, twenty-four hours to get to Seattle, <laughs> right? right? Smell so, weed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we stopped in every town from Stockton to Seattle. You know, I remember that. So we get to Seattle, and it's early in the morning, right? And I grab a cab, like the instructor said, grab a cab and tell them you need to go social and try to seafood, blah, blah, blah. So I get there. I do that. And I told the cab driver. He didn't. He had no idea where it was at. I remember going down 99, which I, I didn't know it was 99. And it kind of reminded me of San Francisco. Right. You know, driving th- from. Be- yeah, beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. It reminded me of San Francisco. So he's driving. He has no idea where he's going. I have no idea where he's going. Right. So he gets there, and we show up to the parking lot, and we don't see anybody. It's like 6.30, maybe 7 in the morning, right? Finally, we're driving around the parking lot, and we see some people tucked in between the buildings. I don't know over there. And I knew that was it. So we, he parked, and I pay him, and I get out, right? And I'm kind of not scared, but a little nervous, you know? I don't know what I'm getting into. So I start, I approach the people, and I'm like, hey, you guys going to Alaska on the... On a boat, and like, yeah, we're waiting to find. So I, I knew I was in the right spot. Okay. So I, I felt a little bit more comfortable, but still nervous. Yeah. Right. So I started talking to some people, and, and a few said they'd been there before, and then a few said they'd never been there. It's the first time. So I just talked to them and started getting acquainted with them as they before they opened the office there. So I, I felt a little bit more comfortable, but still nervous. Mm-hmm. So I get there and um. Finally, they opened the office. We get in there. We sign contracts, right? And then they start shuttling us over, right? Which I didn't know, but they shuttled us over to the old yard, right? Which is another facility. Another facility down the street. Yeah. And one of the guys said, that's your boat. And I looked at the boat, and I said, I thought to myself, I didn't say I was like, 
Oh my god, that looks like something from a from a horror movie. The boat that I was looking at. It was it was the Alaska Packer. Oh, okay. If any anybody knows this Alaska Packer, I mean it's it's not the prettiest boat ever. Uh-huh. You know, I mean it's not. And they there's they say it's haunted. You know, I didn't learn that till after I was on it. You know, they said they carried dead dead bodies from the World War Two on it. Blah blah blah. But that's what it looked like. And I was like, I'm getting on that thing. But you know, it's too late. I'm I'm on it. I'm committed. I signed a contract. I'm in it. You're in it. I'm in it. Was that was any of your dad's words flashing back to you at that point when he said, "Just go do it and get it done"? You or, know, or did you have any point that said, "I need to go back home"? No, no, no. I was committed. I was. I mean, I had 500 bucks. I didn't have a job. I needed to do this. For me, you know, I need to complete this contract no matter what, okay? So we get on there, and I'm, I'm cleaning up. I'm part of the crew, cleaning up, doing whatever they tell me to do, working six hours a day on the way up, you know. Beautiful scenery. I loved it. Inside passage. I, the inside passage. I loved it. I loved it. What, what did you love about it? I mean... I seen eagles, fresh air, just something new. It wasn't Stockton. Did you ever see an eagle down in Stockton? I never seen an eagle. So you know that first mean? time you see one, that's like yeah. A, I wasn't in Stockton no more. You know what I mean? I wasn't in Stockton. So was there pride in seeing that first bird? Uh, it was. It was beautiful. Yeah. Anybody's ever experienced that? I mean, it's beautiful. Even going on a cruise, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, it's beautiful. Just being in Alaska, it's beautiful. Yeah, it, it is. It is. It is. You know. You've been there. Yep. It's it's beautiful. So I loved it from from the first time I arrived and started sailing. I loved it, right? So we, we I worked about six to eight hours a day on the way up. You know, got paid like five seventy five an hour or something, mm-hmm. right? And um, at that point, I don't know if it was about the money or I just loved it. I don't know, but I just went with it, mm-hmm. right? So we get there, we get to Alaska, we anchor it up in Accutan. Okay? In this little village named Accutan, we anchor it up. All right? Very, very far down the peninsula. I didn't know it was Accutan. I know, mm-hmm. all I knew was we anchored up. Mm-hmm. Okay? And then crab boats started coming. And at that time, I asked to be out on outside working with the guys outside. Okay? Only and back, outside was, I had to be on the other boats, on the crab boats that came to us and offloading them. Calling down their holes, pitching crab. Pitching crab. Get pinched? Huh? Oh yeah, them crabs. <laughs> them crabs pinched you. <laughs> I remember one one of them pinched me in the ear. I was like, ah, and you can't do anything about it. You, you had to wait for it to, like to a, come loose. How's a crab getting that close to your ear? Huh? Because you had you, you had them you had them on your, them over your you're shoulder. swinging them over your neck and one will just grab you, and you can't do anything about it. You, it just pinched you and you felt it was already cold, so you felt it just. Just kind of burning, right? And you can't pull it off. You just had to let wait for it to just get loose. And it let go. And let go. Okay. Yeah. So you know, and I did that for the whole season. You loved it too, right? I loved it and hated it at the same time, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, the whole crew quit on me over and over and over, but I couldn't quit. So it's like being back at the being that guy that cleaned the floors where somebody new shows up every three days, right? Right. So you're sticking it out. I'm sticking it out because I had to do this for me. Mm-hmm. I stuck it out. I stuck it out. I stuck it out. Because they said if you wanted to be on deck after the season for the salmon tendering, you had to be on. You had to be one of the guys that completed it. Right. Getting it done. Yeah. Getting it done. So 
I stuck it out. I seen guys come and go, come and go, come and go, and I stuck it out. And um, that was it. That was the Alaska Packer, mm -hmm. right? So while I was pitching crab, I started hearing the crabbers talk about and bragging about how much money they were making, right? Big, big bucks. No big whammies. bucks. They were making. They were talking about making thousand dollar days, right? And I'm here making five something an hour, maybe a hundred bucks a day. And I knew I was, I was in the right place, kind of, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Just not on the right boat. Right. Right. So I had to figure it out. You know, I pitched crab for five something an hour, 12 hours a day. And it was hard work. It's not easy. It's not easy pitching these crabs. Especially getting you your know? ear pinched. Yeah, getting your ears pinched. You have to get in the hole. If the tank's new, you have to dig a hole all the way down to the bottom, right? And then you start working the sides. So you're you're standing on the crab. You're standing on the crab. You're you're, you're standing do on the they, crab the whole time. Do they tank it down, or is it still got water in it? No, there's no water. They they take the water out, and you start pitching in these these brailers, right? And you're just trying to dig the hole down to to the bottom. Once you're down at the bottom, it's easy money because you just pick the sides and you work your way all the way around the tanks. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. And um, guys would quit. They'd do one day, two days, and be like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. You know? I didn't want to do it either. <laughs> but I didn't want to give up. Right. I didn't want to be the quitter. You know right. what I mean? So I didn't want to be the quitter. You did that whole contract in that spot? I, I did that whole contract. And as I was pissing the crowd, I, I heard these guys talking about how much money they were making. And I knew I had to be a fisherman. Mm -hmm. I so, knew I had to be a so fisherman. what was your next step then? To get to well, that? I didn't know how. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything. So I started asking the, the crab guys, hey, you guys need a guy? You need a guy? He's like, no, we're full right now. We're full crude right now. But, you know, what? maybe next season, maybe next season. I just kept asking and asking and asking until one day the deck boss, on our, um, his name was Dennis. He said, yeah, we might need a guy. Give me a call, right? Maybe for King Crab. So I gave him a call, and he took me on for King Crab, and I went and did a King Crab season, crabbing. As a greenhorn. As a greenhorn. This was before all them shows. Right. You know, all them shows you see nowadays. And yeah. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. No idea. Well, give, it, give us an idea of what to get yourself into. <laughs> well, I was a baiter, boy. Mm -hmm. And I had to bait every jar over and over and over and over in the no, pot out of the pot in the pot out of the pot right? no matter what conditions right. you know what i mean mm -hmm. i had to keep the same paste day after day after day after day after day did you get did you get crab hands oh i didn't get crab hands but one of the other guys did right that's that's tough that's tough at one night i think we had um we, were, we had a break for three hours he sat up in the and um like the break room movie room whatever it was crying all night you know what i mean it, it was it was hard it was hard you know it was hard but i did it over and over day in and day out i remember you would get your second win your third your third win your fourth win just by changing your at, clothes at, at, yeah and maybe getting a little something to eat right a snickers bar a little little fuel so um at any point, and this is back in 90, 98 then, right? Still? In 99. Correct. Uh, were you calling home at this point at all? I mean, were you talking to your dad, for example? 
Yeah, my dad's always been very supportive, you know. What, what was he saying when you're like, my dad, I'm, I'm tossing crab everywhere? And Well, he, he would say, echale ganas, which means give it all you got. Yeah. You know, give it all you got. I mean. Very supportive. Very supportive. If, at any time. Yeah. Come home. If, you, yeah, if it's too much, come home. Come home. So where'd you go from there? Well, I just kept moving you forward. You finished that whole season, right? I finished the whole season, and I, and I just kept moving forward. And I, I did that. I didn't make any money. I think I made that, and on, on the last packer, I made maybe 2500 bucks. I was about to throw in the towel. I said, you know what? This ain't for me. I mean, whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. I'll go back to California, and I'll figure it out. And I was like, you know but what? I'm going to give it another chance. There's money to be made. There's money in Alaska, mm-hmm. just not here where right. I'm at on this yeah. mothership. You know, I got to go fishing. Mm-hmm. So I did go fishing. And I went on the Arctic Lady. But before I went on the Arctic Lady, after I got off the Alaska Packer, Trident had just bought Tyson. Just bought Tyson. As soon as I got off the Packer, when I was on the Packer, they bought Tyson in 98. All right? Maybe it was 99 at the time. They bought Tyson. All right? So as soon as I got off the Alaska Packer, I called the office and I said, hey, I hadn't made any money, so I went, and they sent me on the Arctic Enterprise. Okay. All right. So we flew in to the Arctic Enterprise, and um, we flew in and we landed on a beach. Okay, literally a beach, and the skiff was waiting there, and it skipped us over to the Arctic Enterprise. How big was the plane? Huh? It was the Goose. Oh. Uh, I don't know. So you landed in the water and pushed up. On yeah, the beach. we landed in the water. Pushed up on the beach and it was Manu. I remember Manu. Okay, he was there on the beach waiting for us, and he skipped everybody on that plane over and took us over. All right, and he took us over to the Arctic Enterprise, and I did a season on the Arctic Enterprise, and I made better money than I did on the Alaska Pack because at the time when they first bought them, they were paying case rate, not hourly. So I did well. Mm-hmm. Okay, I did very well. To change to change. Yeah, it wasn't great, but it was it was, <laughs> it was better. More, it was more than you had seen. So yeah, far, it was right? better. You know, it's better than being bait boy on that. Yeah, it was better than being bait boy. It was better than than the Alaska Packer. So I made better money. I was in the factory breaking freezers for sixteen hours a day. You know, did you did you work with a good friend of ours when you were down there doing that? No, that was that that's not, not not yet. So. Okay. So I did that, okay? I went on a So I went home, took a break and came back, and I didn't go back to the Packer. I went was, back to the Arctic. Was there any doubt when you were going home and visiting family? Was there any doubt you were coming back? No, I wanted to come back. I knew there was more money to be made. I just wasn't in the right spot yet. Right. I'm I'm a year into it. Okay. Or a year and a half into it. Okay? You know, I'm I'm making okay. I'm making money, but I'm not making money. Mm-hmm. So, I go back to the Arctic. You know, now it's Trident Seafoods, a.k.a. the turd. Any fisherman you know that's ever delivered there or whatever. I didn't even know it was a turd till after I left. The boat was. The boat. That's what they call yeah. it, the turd. Okay. Okay. To me, it was a kil- the Hilton compared to the, the Alaska Packer. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it, was, it was a Hilton, right? How, how were your accommodations? It was better. I, I mean, mean we, how many guys were in a room? What? Um, two or three guys. It all depended. You how know, about the Packer? The Packer. It was miserable. There was rooms all over that boat. I mean, your room? What was your room? On the Alaska Packer? Oh, my God. When I first got there, they, they put me in a room. It was down below. I opened the door, and there was 
two bunks in front of me, two bunks uh, on the left, two bunks on the right. I didn't even have room for my stuff. <coughs> they had lockers in some little hallway. So that's six guys? That six guys. You know, it was like a, a six by four. You know what I mean? You didn't have room for your stuff. You know. So then you go to this other boat and you get only four guys in there. Four guys it's in there. Hilton. Yeah, it's it's a Hilton. You're waiting for room. It's service. upgraded. I didn't know it was called the Turtle till, till after I left. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're like, this is great. <laughs> this is great. It was an awesome boat. Right. It was an awesome boat. The house was in the back. All the living, everybody lived, and everything was in the back, and all the factory was in the front. How was the food? The food. I'm gonna tell you about the food. There was a cook named Colette Russell. She passed away a few years back, but she was the most awesome cook ever. Really? To this day. To this what day. was she feeding you? She would feed you whatever. On your birthday, she would ask you what you wanted. She'd make you feel special every day. Oh, that's awesome. Every, every day. Mm. All day. And, and that's what counts. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, every day, she, she'd make you feel special. Like, hey, it's you. You know, It's you, all about you. It's all about you and everybody. And she made you feel yeah, she was awesome. Well, uh, you know, when we had Coach on, he said that the cook on the boat, regardless to what size it is, mm-hmm. but he felt like the cook on the boat was the morale officer. It is, and she she did yeah. that. Yeah. She did that all day, every day. Clearly, you remember her name? You remember? Yeah, she was awesome. I mean, I, I was pretty busted up when I knew she, she passed away, yeah. you know. She was an awesome person. I'll always remember her. That's, that's great. Mm-hmm. So let's move on from there. It's kind of hard to move over that. (laughs) Anyways. uh, Where did we go? So anyways, um, so I'm back on the Arctic. I'm breaking freezers. There's a bunch of Samoans. I remember a bunch of Samoans, a bunch of other people, people from Puebla, you know. Um, They were speaking this other language. It wasn't English or Spanish, right? Oh, you were the the odd man out. You you know, they they were speaking this language I never ever heard Mm -hmm. until I asked one of them. Hey, what are you guys speaking? And they said they were speaking the old Aztec language, Nahuatl. Oh. Until that point, I, I didn't know Mexicans spoke a dialect. Yeah. Right? So you learn a lot of stuff from a lot of people. And a lot of div- diversity on these boats. You know? And you learn to love them. Everybody. Anyways, so I'm working on the Arctic. And I'm still not making. I'm making 125 bucks a day. I'm this working. is in nineteen. Or this is in two thousand. In two thousand. That's okay. that's money. I mean, that's money. Right, right, right. But you know, it's not what I want. I'm happy, but I'm not happy. Yeah. And I mean, you want the next step. I want the next step. I'm still. Now, can I ask you? At this point in two thousand, were you making as much as your dad was? Well, my dad never made much money. He always no, made money. No, but I mean, in two thousand. I'm making more. Okay. He's got to be proud of you. He's uh-huh. got to be proud of you. I'm making more, and um, you know. It's, I don't know about, if you know about Hispanic families, but you were they're, very, some, they're very close. Were you sending some home? Yes, I'm always sending some yeah, home. Yeah. I'm, I'm giving more them more than I'm keeping for myself, okay, at the time. You know, I'm single, so it doesn't matter to me. So. Yeah, your dad's proud. He's proud. Yep. He's like, mijo, just keep moving forward. Do you, yep. you know, we got you if you decide to come. I'm not, I'm home not trying is home. to bring you down to that point, but I just know that you're that kind of person. Yeah, home is home for you. You can always come back here. You mm-hmm. always got a home here, a roof, right? Mm-hmm. So on and so forth. Anyways, so I keep moving forward, and um, 
I'm making one hundred twenty-five dollars a day. That's my daily salary, right? Yeah. And now, I'm t- now is that actually a salary at this point, or is yeah, it I'm a deckhand. Okay, I became a deckhand. I moved on from the factory. So you're, you're, I'm on work- daily, you're on a daily wage now. I'm daily wage. So I'm working with T and Manu, okay, and some other guys, right? I'm a deckhand, but right. they're like the main deck. T's a deck boss, and Manu's a night deck boss. I'm working with these guys. So you want to hear a funny story? Oh, let's have one. So one day I'm working with Manu. We're sent to to go to Accutan. We're anchored up in Accutan. We're sent to go to Accutan. Which right? boat are you on at this point? On Arctic, Arctic Enterprise. Okay. Okay. The third. the third. So we're sent to go to Accutan to pick up an electrician because we're having some problems, right? So we get in the skiff and we're running over to Accutan. Just you and him. Just me and him. He's running a little skiff in the back in the mortar, right? And I'm in the bow. A little outboard. Yeah, a little outboard. I'm in the I'm in the bow, right? Just tending the bow, holding the line, because I can't sit down because it's bouncing. It's it's pretty bad weather. You're it's snowing, yeah. right? My head's down, his head's down, right? And we're full throttle. <laughs> Just flying, heading towards Akitan, right? right? I look up, and we're like 20, 25 feet away from the dock. I said, Manu! He looks up, and he goes, <gasps> Boom! We hit this dock. Right dock. We hit this dock. At head full on. speed or full did you Full speed. Let it down at all? No. Full speed. We had no time. <laughs> Boom! We hit this dock, right? Pow! Right? The electrician we're picking up is like 30 feet away to the right. He He's sees like, this. He sees this. He's like, oh my God. You see his face like just drop. Right? So his face is dropped. And you could see the fear in his eyes. Like, he has to get in a skiff to go back to the turd. <laughs> right? right? So he gets on his skiff, and he sees how bad the weather is. And we take him back, right? But he was scared the whole time. Well, you know? he, he just watched you two hooligans run into the dock. Yeah. These was two, there any damage to the skiff? These two yahoos? No, there was no damage to the skiff. We hit it pretty hard. But, I mean, from time to time, I still run into Manu. He works on the Eastern Wind. And we talk about the story. Remember the time? So we ran in the dock. And... <laughs> That's a pretty good one. That's, That's a pretty good, good story. Do you, do you, do you... I'm going to ask you for another humorous one later. But do you, do you get anything? Do you remember the first time you were really scared up there? There's been a few times you're scared. You know, I mean, a lot of things happen out there you're, that you're scared. But I can remember one time that... Do you have a, you have a change the shorts moment? What do you mean? You had to change your shorts. No, I never had to change my shirts. But there was this one time we had to go fight a fire on a different boat, on a different vessel. It's called the um, Pacific Glacier. And when we, we we were trained for it, right? But for re- when reality hits, it's it's, it's in your different. Face, yeah. yeah, but the thing about it is, when we got there, and it was me and Hung Lee. He's the mate, one of the mates on the Kodiak Enterprise, one of the boats that I've worked on. Um, we got there and we had to fight this fire. One of the crew members there, I think it was the deck boss, told us, you're going to go down. We had the hose in hand. He said, you're going to go down, you're going to make a left, you're going to make another left. Where's Where's their crew at to fight this fire? They're, they're just tending it at the time, tending the guys coming to fight the fire. Okay. You know what I mean? They're helping you change so the, your oxygen. Their guys weren't, their guys weren't uh, trained? Or? Yeah, they, they were trained. So why did you have to get on their boat to fight their fire? It was a big fire. It was a big fire. A big fire, yeah. That that day, this is how it all went down, from what I remember. We just hauled back. We're zipping the bag, and Dave York 
on a cardiac hemiparty. Now, just to be clear, haul back, you're pulling the net in. You're, you're, you're zipping the bag, meaning you're dumping your fish. Right. And we're getting ready to set again. Okay. Right? So, so the bag's empty. The bag's empty. We're zipping up the bag. We're closing up the bag. Okay. Okay. Get it ready to, to put it back in the water. And the Dave, um, Dave York, the captain on the Kodiak Enterprise, on the hailer, said, hey, we're going to go fight a fire. Uh, Pacific Lation's on fire. And you're like, game on. Game on. So we go up to the bow, blah, 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 and get our stuff ready and to go fight this fire. And anyways, we get, we get to, it takes a couple of hours to get there. All right. This thing's still burning. This is still burning. When we get there, the sun's going down. And me and Hung Lee run the skiff, and we got Guillermo, Creel, and Cody Helldog, the first fire team. We're sending them off to fight this fire. Okay? We give them radio, and they're going off to fight this fire. So we send them off, and they're fighting the fire, and we're communicating with them. The only team that had a radio. Every time they go fight the fire, they come back and report, hey, we've done this, da da da, we're here, da da da, da da da. So then it's our turn. Me and Hung Lee go down and fight this fire. Okay? And um, this thing's on fire, fire. It's, a, it's on fire, the Pacific Glacier. Okay? It's like 2008. And it's, it's on fire. I mean, it's up in smokes. You can see flames going up, and mm-hmm. and um, so we get there. It's me and Hung Lee. We get there, and the deck boss or the mate says, "Okay, you're gonna go down, down the stairs. You're gonna make a left, and you can make another left." And that's all I heard, pretty much. Right, right. Just follow the hose. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you go to fire training, and they tell you this and this and that. So me and Hung Lee go downstairs, and we're down there, and we're fighting this fire and we feel the heat we don't see anything just smoke the heat feel the heat and i remember him telling me hey my bottle's going out my alarm's going out i don't know how to get back and that's when fire training kicks in follow the hose right follow the hose you know for a minute i panicked you're like what what like you don't know how to get back i don't either but then that training that you got just like follow the hose so we follow the hose back, you know. I was like, "Hey, we follow the hose." It's like, "Oh yeah, we follow the hose." And we got back and changed our tanks, whatnot. Anyways, that was a a scary moment for me, you know, just being there in a boat that I didn't know, I didn't recognize. It wasn't my boat. I'd never been on that boat, right? Ever before. So, but everybody made it off off the boat. Everybody made it off the boat. Everybody was safe. The fire was put out. The boat was taken back, towed back to um, the charter. So your first time going up in 1998. The current you've seen safety change on these boats right you've seen the yeah i mean safety escalate yeah it's, it's changed big time a lot i mean safety's first no matter what yeah you know especially with trident yeah. you know trident has a seal on safety no matter what it's, it's, you know what i mean it's like the one area with no cap capital on expense yeah right? yeah i mean you say something about safety and they're on it yeah no matter what I, and I think uh, I think a lot of boats in our fleet, and I say our fleet, not not just with the company that you're with, Trident, but uh, a lot of a lot of companies now are the same way. I mean, f- safety is so important. You know, um, uh, that's why we we're not we're not losing as many guys as we used to lose. Safety is very important. I mean, you you, ha- you have to have experience, guys with experience, and know. I mean, fishing ain't easy. You know, 
you get a lot of guys that are that are green. You teach them what you've experienced, and they know it and they learn it. Mm -hmm. You know. So, uh, all right. So then, now you're still at this point. I'm still on the turd. Okay. How okay. Do we, how do we so, get off the turd? So, so I'm on the turd. Okay, but I know there's more money to be made than 125 bucks a day. Okay. Okay. So I started asking these guys. This the ocean, ex the, the the explorer boats coming and delivering to us mostly, right? We're anchored up in Accutan. All right. So I'm asking all these boats. I'm I'm picking everybody's mind. Right. And the ocean explorer pulls up, and there's this gentleman. You know, I'm pumping their boat. I'm pumping the fish off. I'm a fish pumper. I'm working on pumping their fish. Get on our boat. Now that's just a great big freaking nozzle that goes right down in their tank and sucks them all out, right? Correct. That little water that, return. That's what I'm doing. In. That's what I'm doing. That's my job. Going, it's going up to a hopper where the guys are taking care From of it. From 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. That's my job. That's it. Okay? That's my job. So I'm asking all these guys. They come in. Okay, you know, just picking their brains. Just wondering what they make. And how do I get there? Yeah. yeah, how do I get there? And one of the guys, I think his name was Neil. Neil's... I can't remember his last name. And he said, tells me he's making $100,000 at least a year. And you're like, wait you a know, minute. Wait a minute. I'm making a, a buck twenty-five a day. Uh -huh. Okay? I was like, man, I need to be a fisherman. So I started asking everybody, and I said, well, if you guys ever need anybody, let me know. So they do all their pollock season, and they have to go run and do cod in AMAC. All right? And they offered me a spot to bleed, and they're going south after. So now, now explain what bleeding a cod is and why you do it. Well, you have to cut the cod's throat and bleed it for better product. Every single one. Every single one that comes off the belt. And they're set up pretty good. You know what I mean? They dump their fish, and they got a factory downstairs, and they go through a belt, and you bleed them. Hey, what's yeah. the biggest cod you ever saw come down that belt? Oh, my God, they're big. What's the biggest one? Because I've seen a 52-pound cod. Yeah, they're, they're 50 pounds. I mean, they're big cod. Okay? And you're bleeding every single one of them. Your knife, you got a knife in hand, and you're just cutting every single one that you see his throat. There's blood everywhere. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Just, just a bloody mess. I just want to make sure everybody else understands. No, it's, it's a bloody mess. There's blood everywhere. Blood everywhere. Yeah, I mean. It's a horror movie. It's this little factory, but, but it's there's blood everywhere. Okay. Have you ever seen Dexter? There's blood everywhere, all right? With no plastic. No, no, no plastic, plastic just blood everywhere. So how did we, because I know where you're at today, mm -hmm. and you're in a good spot. What, how did you get here? So, they didn't have a spot for me. They just hired me as a bleeder, just to help them clean. Just bled them up, yeah. Just bleed the cod and help them clean the boat up as they went south, right? Because mm -hmm. they were coming to Seattle. So I helped them do that. But one of the guys there, the deckhands there, had been on a factory trawler before that and he said you know what Trident just bought three factory trawlers you should try to get on one of them and this is what you do alright you call the company and you tell them you, they're, they're gonna they're gonna go do Hake call the company you tell them you wanna go do Hake once you get on on one of them boats you drop your bag and you go look for the deck boss and tell them you wanna be on deck so I went to look for the deck boss, and I found him. You know, I didn't know his name at the time, but his name is Nicky Borg, Nunzio, okay? So I found him, and I told him, hey, I want to be on deck. And he said, you know what? I don't have a spot right now. 
but you can help us. So I spent all day on the Kodiak Enterprise helping them backload whatever they had going to the point that the factory manager had to come look for me and say, hey, you're supposed, you're, you're, you're supposed to be with me, Mike Myers. You're part of the, the factory, not not the deck. So then I started working on deck, and um, I started breaking freezers. When I was down there breaking freezers, my my breaking buddy was Dominic Bova, which is now my good friend. <laughs> Actually, the the mate of the sovereignty, the boat that I work and on the now. First mate, yeah. The whole time we we spent down there breaking freezers, all we talked about is working on deck, how we were going to go work on deck. And this was two thousand eight. No, this was 2001, 2000. Oh, two, oh really early. Okay. Yeah, we're, we're talking about, hey, we need to be on deck. We need to be deckhands. We can't be down here. And that's all we talked about. Mm -hmm. You know, we broke freezers for eight hours and loaded freezers for, for another eight. And um, Now explain the breaking process because some folks don't know what that is. So breaking process is um, loading freezers is the product that comes out, right? You grab them and you load them in these freezers and then it closes up right and it sits for i don't know an hour or so until it freezes and you come back around and then you break them and you, and you grab them throw them in the air and slam them on the table and slam them on the table <laughs> right. yeah so me and which me is why and, it's called breakout yeah right. me and bobo did that eight hours we, we loaded them eight hours we broke them okay okay and in between we break each other to go have cigarettes so you say you go ahead and go smoke and go smoke. Go ahead, go smoke. I, I got this. And you put your game up and, and, it, and the whole out. time we were down there for for a trip or two, all we talked about is being on deck. Mm -hmm. Okay. After that season was over, we were on deck. He went back on the Island Enterprise and he got became a deckhand, and I became a deckhand on the Kodiak Enterprise with Nikki Borg. And you did that for like eight years or something, right? I mean, you were up there yeah, quite but a while. it took work. I mean. After every after every um every shift, it was sixteen hours. I'd go up after my shift. I'd, I would eat, and then I'd go check with the deck crew, and they'd be waiting for me. It's like, yeah, we've got a bunch of garbage for you to burn, <laughs> and so I would burn. Wait, were you getting paid for that part, or were this is all you just? No, this to, is I'm I'm trying to you're be trying a deckhand. Yeah, I'm trying to be a deckhand. So you're putting turn. in the time. I'm putting in the time. I'm putting overtime. Right. So I'm going up and burning their garbage and helping them out. If they're working on gear, I'll help them on gear. If we're working on nets for, for so an you hour. Were, you wanted to get up there. You were bad. Right. I wanted to be up there bad. And you got up there. I got up there. And you spent eight years on that boat up there. I spent eight years on that boat up there. So where did you go from there? So after I spent eight years up there, nobody left. It was me. Well, it was Dickie was a deck boss. Hung Lee, which is now the, one of the mates on the Kodiak Enterprise. Mario Torgerson, which is hold on, Hung Lee, the same guy that ran that skiff into the dock in Akita. No, that that's Mario. Oh, okay. I was thinking that. Okay. Now he's a mate on the no, boat. No, no, <laughs> Hung Lee. Hung okay. Lee. He's a Vietnamese guy, a refugee okay. from Vietnam. I mean, he got some stories there. Okay. You got to get him. So, anyways, I'm, right now I'm still trying to get you, <laughs> <laughs> Hung Lee. Now he's a uh, one of the mates on the Kodiak Enterprise, and um, awesome dude, like Mr. Miyagi. Oh, cool. Wax like, on? Wax off? Wax on, wax off. He's net, net out, net in? Yeah, he's a really good guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's really good. I learned a lot from him. Anyways, and from Nunzio. And um, so we we kept the same crew for three years, seven years, eight years. All right? Mario Torgerson, Guillermo Carriel, Cody Helldog, 
So nobody was going anywhere. So I decided to go on the casual boats. And that's when you went to the soft? I went to the Gladiator with oh, Eddie. Okay. Uh -huh. Eddie. What a guy to learn from. Oh, what I love Eddie. What a guy to learn from. So you went from this great big boat, 120 people or whatever it was. 150 there. people or so. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. To five people. To keep finding room. To five people. To five to people. five people. Uh -huh. and were you guys taking turns cooking then at that point? No, they, on the Cody, we had to cook. No, no, on the Gladiator. On the Gladiator, yeah. Well, you know, I didn't know how to cook much, but I, I learned how to cook on 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 the Gladiator. Yeah, you had to pull your part, right? You yeah. Pull your weight. Pull so, my weight. Uh, how long were you on the Gladiator with Eddie? Uh, from 2008 to 2011, and I, I wound up on the Sovereignty. So you got seasoned there. Mm-hmm. And when you went over there, Jeff was the captain. Jeff had just got the boat, like a couple seasons before. Still kicking the tires. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm one of his deckhands, and uh, Steve House is his mate. And um, Jeff kicks ass. Yeah, I mean, he's just a natural-born fish killer. We, we got a couple of those in our fleet. We do, but Jeff is one of them. I mean, whenever somebody talks of Bruce... Bruce, he's a natural-born fish killer. I mean, people killer. Speak, speak Bruce's name in reverence yeah. to slaying fish. Uh -huh. I, I've literally heard guys say, if he threw a net in a bathtub, it'd come up full. Right, right, I mean, right. The, and there's guys that build those kind of reputations. Yeah. So now you've been on the soft since what? Okay, so 2008. 11. 11. 11. Uh -huh. So uh, seven years now at seven this point. Uh, any regrets in joining the industry? I mean, looking back, I mean. No, I love what I do. Of course you do. I love to kill fish. Okay. And I love to keep growing. And, you and see, especially with Trident. And Trident's see, an awesome company to grow with. They have very safe boats. I mean, so stringent. And the, the fishery, I mean, uh, is so well protected. And you're on a safe vessel. Obviously, you love the crew you're with. I hear all of you talk about each other like you're the... the well, the, well when, when you're on a, on a boat, you spend more time with the guys you work with than your, your siblings mm -hmm. and your family. So they become your brothers. You know, you get to know them, you get to know what they like, what they don't like, you respect them, they respect you, and you move forward. So where do you see yourself in five years? Just keep growing and keep killing. Keep killing those fish? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're almost running out of time here. We're probably a little over, but I really want to know uh, what advice you'd have for that kid back in California that's struggled a lot in his youth, you know, um, or or anywhere for that matter. I mean, what what advice would you give them to, to, or what incentive can you provide for them to make this a choice? You, know? you have to love what you do. Yeah. You didn't. Even, you had no idea about Alaska. I had a no idea. I came from farmland. What was his name? In Safeway, Nicholas. Nicholas Diaz. Nicholas Diaz, one mm -hmm. night working with him, mm -hmm. changed your entire life. My entire life. Did I know that at the time? No. But it did. And we go deliver, we go tender in Sandpoint, and I've met his cousin. I've never seen him again, but I've met his cousin. He works in the circle of life and all that, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm, uh, I'm glad that you came out tonight to talk to us. Well, thank you for having I, I hope you keep doing what you're doing. I hope it keeps going forward because you clearly you've been the guy that pushed yourself through every wall that's been in your way. And but I want I want to close with uh, asking you how your dad's doing. 
My dad's doing great. He's retired now. He can't, he can't farm anymore. He got sick last year, and um, he had to retire. But if he could, he, he would keep going. Of course he would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of how, you, how you're uh, built, right? Yeah. Is it, uh, has it gotten easier to see him age? And I mean, uh, you're... I don't even have to I've ask. always had I don't his even support. Have to ask, but you're still supporting him. You're still. I've always had his support, but now he has my support. Yeah. Now that he retired, he has my support. That's family. As a son, as a family, family. it's a tight family that we are, close, close family. Well, Angel, I, I, I tell you, I really appreciate you coming out tonight and tell us this story, uh, spending the time. Any, any closing words here? Besides, I want to kill fish. You have to love what you do. You do. You do. Mm-hmm. Whatever you do. All right, guys, uh, this has been Mark Kaler again with uh, Galley Stories, which will stay that way, and um, Stories of the Bering Sea and uh, beyond. And we will see you next time.